Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we'll be reading Chapter 6 of Mysteries of Creation, pages 52 through 57. And the title of the chapter is Two Creations, Spiritual and Temporal. Before we begin, I will dedicate this program. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask thee, Father, to forgive us of our sins and transgressions, that we may have thy spirit to be with us more fully that we will become tools in thine hand to bring about thy word and thy commandments to the knowledge of those who do not know them, that we may assist in bringing forth thy kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven, that Zion would be redeemed. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for the atonement of thy Son, even Jesus Christ who paid for our sins and transgressions in the Garden of Gethsemane and upon the cross, that we might gain the experiences of mortality, but go away from this mortal coil with clean-washed hands and forgiveness and thy spirit. We thank thee, Father, for the plan of salvation which gives us the opportunity to come into these mortal coils and gain so much learning and understanding through the experiences that we have in the in the mortality of life we love thee father and we thank thee for the atonement of our redeemer and your son jesus christ We dedicate this time unto thee, Father, that we might learn thy will and gain knowledge from thee through inspiration, revelation, and confirmation of the Holy Spirit. We thank thee and say these things in the name of Messiah. Amen. Two Creations, Spiritual and Temporal, Chapter 6 of Mysteries of Creation, pages 52 through 57. From the writings of Moses comes information that there are many earths like this one and also many heavens. And the Lord spoke, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The heavens are many, and they cannot be numbered unto man but they are numbered unto me, for they are mine. And as one earth shall pass away in the heavens thereof, even so shall another come, and there is no end to my works, neither to my words. Moses chapter 1, verses 37 and 38. The Lord also indicated that Moses to Moses that there was a separate heaven to each earth. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, I revealed unto you concerning this heaven and this earth, write the words which I speak. Moses chapter 2 verse 1. Many Bible scholars believe there is a contradiction between the first two chapters in Genesis that relate to the story of the creation. They believe that there was an erroneous combination of, of a single story. The Mormons, however, see the reason this, for this difference and the belief that there are two separate creations. The organization of vegetables, animals, and man during the third and fifth and sixth days of creation is followed by another account in a reverse order, man, vegetables, and animals. 
The first account narrates the seven days of creation, but the second account, no days are mentioned. Page 53 at 14%. An interesting but highly questionable viewpoint has been expressed by Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of the Christian Science Church, who said the first chapter was written by God and the second by the devil. William Jennings Bryant was trapped by the lawyer Clarence Darlow at the famous monkey trial on the difference of these these creation stories. Brian was asked if he believed every word of the Bible, and he said he did. Darrow asks him to explain the difference in those two stories of creation, which he couldn't do. The difficulty in trying to interpret these two chapters in Genesis has led led some churches to doubt the validity of one or the other. For example, Leo Peters, writing in the Grand Rapids Press, November 19th, 1988 stated it's official christian reformed church now says first chapter of bible is false june 22 1988 was the a day of infamy for the christian reformed church on that day the crc's synod by a vote of 101 to 60 officially enacts into CRC law and doctrine that God's creation count in Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of the Bible, is historically false. Sidna did not use the word false, but simply ruled that the CRC will now officially teach that the first chapter of the Bible is not historically true, which means that it is false. Thus, Genesis chapter 1 is simply a lie, and God is a liar. Let's see here. And that's page C4. I don't know where that reference is to, but Joseph Smith in his inspired version of the Bible makes these paragraphs much clearer. For I, the Lord God, or for I, Jehovah, your Elohim, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. Nevertheless, all things were before created, but spiritually were they created and made according to my word. Bereshit, or Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 and 7. We're on page 54 at 32%. B.H. Roberts clarified this even further, quote, What is most perplexing about the Bible narrative of this work of creation is that the two accounts are given of it, and apparently there is an irreconcilable difference between them. In the first chapter of Genesis is a statement of creation in respect to this earth and the heavens connected with it. From the time it was without form and void until it was fit, a fit dwelling place for man, or to put it in other words, the account seems to reach from highly and attunated nebula to the solid earth clothed with its wealth of vegetables and animal life with man placed upon it as the crowning excellence of the Creator's work. Is it not strange that after reading of the creation of man in the first chapter, we should be told in the second that there was not a man to fill the ground or to till the ground? Contributor, volume 10, page 263. All right, let's go back up here and find out what attenuated... Nebula, I guess. I'm just going to look these words up real quick here. So, the the thesaurus, it's basically a replacement word, um, would be thin, slender, slim, skinny, bony, gaunt, skeletal, 
All right. Oh. Highly thin? Hold on. Okay, that's the thesaurus. Let's look at the dictionary. Having been reduced in force, effects, or value, it appears likely that the courts will be given an attenuated role as the enforcement of these decisions. Okay. A thin or reduced in thickness is, is another attenuated, attenuated verb. Reduce the force, effects, or value. And I think we're going to look in the Oxford Dictionary of English. Basically, you know, they're the same thing. It's an adjective having been reduced in force. Okay, and then nebulae, nebulae. Astronomy, a cloud of gas or dust in outer space, visible in the night sky, sky is either a nebula, nebula. Oh, I don't know why they added the E there. It's N-E-B-U-L-A-E. If they took the E off, I would, I'd be like, oh, it's nebula, but whatever. It doesn't take much to trip me up. Anyway, this nebula is basically what I saw when God took me up in the spirit and showed me uh, the beginning of spirit and the universe and the elements being eternal and elements being eternal um, and intelligence being eternal and the laws of the universe being eternal. Um, when I came and I saw the intelligence, it was like this great nebulous cloud. And then I came down into it and there was like individual orbs of light. And that's what the intelligence was. But when you're further out, it looks like a cloud. But they emanate their own light. And they are alive, living beings. But um, there's a point uh, in the maturity of the intelligence where something causes them to become self-aware. And when that happens, the energy of the feminine and the energy of the masculine splits and you have the birth or the beginning of a spirit man and a spirit woman, or a spirit male and spirit female. So and this is how all, all life begins. Animal life, human life, I don't know what the difference. Um, you know, I, I don't understand the difference, but what I was shown is that what I was shown was the beginning of God, the eternal mother and God, the eternal father, and that they helped others to become like they were. They helped others to become self-aware and be born and become spirit. And that over the process of time, they learned the elements they learned how to control and they learned the laws of the universe and how to organize things and they are a very highly advanced race of beings and we come from them i i was just i know i didn't go on a, any tangents on my last program but here we go on tangents again I like to joke with my kids, and it's not a joke so much. Do you realize that God organized this earth, but he is not from here, and neither are we? Our God is an alien. What is an alien? An alien is a being of intelligence which is not from Earth. We're not from here either. We live here. It's like, do we 
if we colonize a new world and we come from this world, do we ever call ourselves of that world? Or do we realize that we are alien beings to that world and we might colonize it, but we're from Earth? We're really not from Earth either. We really are not from Earth. We are from an older Earth that is not this Earth that uh, went through the process of a celestial, terrestrial, and celestial uh, time. And that Earth has become a Shamaim or a heaven, and it has joined with the heavens. And this Earth is a new creation. And that old Earth is our pre-existence. That's where we come from. We went through all of the cycles of the terrestrial, our celestial, terrestrial, and celestial phases of that earth, except for when it becomes exalted, we have to move to this world, and those who are qualified to abide in that glory, they can go there if they so choose. And the thing I was talking about my kids with is, uh, especially my 10-year-old, she's the most intellectually interested and spiritually honest children I know. And she says, uh, Dad, God's an alien? Yes, Eliza, God is an alien, and so are we. And she's all, Interesting. <laughs> Love my kids. You know, the the um, the best joy of raising kids is seeing them grow up. And the biggest heartbreak of raising kids is seeing them grow up. It's... Uh, One of my greatest joys to be a father and a husband. And I'm so grateful for God giving me the opportunity to be married to my wife and to have the children that I have. Even the demonically possessed one, my 14-year-old. She's actually getting help right now. Um, I don't think that she'll take it because uh, she's been diagnosed as a narcissist and she doesn't think that anything's wrong with her. It's everybody else's fault that she has so many problems. But anyway, I uh, still love her, but she is the pain of my life. Parenting 909, not 101. But all right, let's see here. Roberts, B.H. Roberts then quoted from the book of Moses for the answer, quote, For I, the Lord God, or Jehovah your Elohim, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. For I, the Lord God, or Jehovah your Elohim, had not caused it to reign upon the face of the earth, And I, the Lord God, had created all the children of men, and not yet a man to till the ground, for in heaven created I them. And there was not yet flesh upon the earth, neither in the water, neither in the air. Moses chapter 3, verse 5. B.H. Roberts continued, In these articles, however, what turns out to be an account of the spiritual creation of the earth has been spoken of and treated as the natural or actual creation. By the way, we're on page 55 at 48%. It has been treated so purposely because I believe the natural in the order of its creation and development corresponded with the creation and development of the spiritual. Furthermore, I believe the account in the first chapter of Genesis could be safely accepted as the announcement of the general plan of creation, not only of our planet, but of all worlds. Contributor, Volume 10, pages 264 
and 265. In the first creation, it appears that Jesus and others actually took part in some form of creation or organization as observed by Dr. Hiram Anders. There can be no question that the account written by Abraham deals exclusively with the organization of the physical earth, for he first beheld the intelligence or the spirits that has been organized at the earlier time in the spirit creation. He then beheld the creation of the physical earth and was shown that certain of the noble and great spirits participated in the creation. God, man, and the universe by Hiram Anders, page 306. There seems to be a continual revolutionary process from spiritual and temporal and then from temporal to spiritual. The Lord revealed, quote, that the first shall be last and the last shall be first in all things whatsoever I created by the word of my power, which is the power of my spirit. For by the power of my spirit created I them, yea, all things both spiritual and temporal. First spiritual, secondly temporal, which is the beginning of my work. And again, first temporal and secondly spiritual, which is the last of my work. Doctrine and Covenants section 29 verses 30 through 32. And I need to pause this real quick because it is 6.30 in the morning and I do not hear my wife getting up. She has work to do. So I'll be right back. I'm just going to pause this and uh, you won't even notice any time lapse. Throughout the study of the world's beginnings, we see many parallels between the earth and man and their creation and eternal destiny. And we're on page 56 at 65%. Both man and earth had a spiritual and physical creation or birth, or what I would say is a physical organization. Then came a baptism by water, and lastly, a type of death before the final resurrection. As Brigham Young stated, quote, All things were created first spiritual and then temporal. Everything in the spirit world was presented as we see it now, and this temporal earth was presented there. Journal of Discourses, volume 18, page 243. Even Jesus Christ had a spiritual creation before he was born as a mortal. Orson Pratt elaborated, and actually, um, I, I think this is a bad choice of words that Ogden uses here. Even Jesus Christ had a spiritual organization or a spiritual birth, I guess. I don't know. I just... It doesn't seem like the right choice of words to me, but it is what it is. Anyway, Orson Pratt elaborated, All men, male and female, that ever have lived or ever will live on this earth had a pre-existence before the formation of this earth commenced. And during our pre-existence in the heavens, or the Shamayim, the earth was undergoing this formation. Journal of Discourses, volume 16, page 318. Um, my thoughts on this quote. I, Just knowing everything that I know, all the stuff that God has revealed to me personally, personally, okay? This isn't a bunch of speculation. We lived on an older earth that went through a organization with an Adam put upon it, and that Adam was Jehovah. That earth went through a telestial phase with three major phases. First, the phase of the morning star. Second, the phase of the bright and morning star, or the meridian of time. And the 
the one who presided over the first was Jehovah, who was not an Elohim at that time. But he is now. In the bright and morning phase of the history of that earth was Michael, our our Adam, on that earth was a redeemer. He was God the redeemer. He was the bright and morning star. And the last major dispensation of that earth was presided over the evening star of that earth who was Jesus Christ. That earth had a millennial phase that we would call terrestrial. And that earth became part of the Shamaim or a celestial phase of the earth even a great Urim and Thummim, that is the pre-existence of this earth. When this earth was created, Jehovah, our Elohim, who is now an Elohim, instructed Michael to come with him, and he showed Michael how to create this earth, and Michael was made an Adam of this world, And he was the morning star for this earth. Jesus Christ, as God the witness, was a bright and morning star. And God the witness, or the Holy Ghost, comes in mortality at this last celestial dispensation as the evening star. And he is God the witness for this earth. This earth will undergo a terrestrial phase same as all other earths do that's what we're looking forward to right now with a millennial phase of this earth and it will become a great yermanthamum or a great sea of glass or even a telet or a celestial world and this earth will become a pre-existence to the earth that john sees in the book of revelations the new earth And this earth will join in with the Shamaim or the heavens. On that earth, Michael, the Adam of this world, will become an Elohim. And he will instruct or show Jesus how to become an Adam, how to create a world, how to people it and organize it. And he will become the morning star for that earth as an Adam. And God the witness of this world will become God the redeemer of that. And he will become the bright and morning star. And another will be chosen to be God, uh, become God the witness of that earth. This is the progression of the gods. This is eternal lives. To understand those things... You must understand what these things is are that I am telling you now. But continuing on with the reading, it must be realized that these spirits were not just born and left to their own way, but they were organized according to God's plan. Abraham clearly describes, quote, Now the Lord had shown unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all of these, there were many of the noble and great ones. And God saw these souls that they were good, and he stood in the midst of them, and he said, These I will make my rulers. For he stood among those that were spirits, and he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. Thou was chosen before thou was born. Abraham chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. So real quick, the hierarchy of this earth is that there is an Elohim over the earth, and there is a first presidency of this earth, which consists of an Adam, who is God the Father, a Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ for this earth, and God the Witness, who is the Holy Ghost. Under their direction are 12 who are called mighty and strong ones. They are first, well, actually, 
um, the first presidency and the 12 are all called mighty and strong. Jehovah was one who was mighty and strong as well. But for this earth, you have Adam, Jesus, and God the Witness as the first presidency who are mighty and strong. And then you have Enoch, Noah, Moses, and Elijah, who were mighty and strong for the first dispensation of this earth, which is under the direction of Adam. In the meridian of time, you had John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus to to come, who laid the foundation for Jesus to to come into this world and to take and do all the things that he did. He was mighty and strong. Peter, James, and John were also mighty and strong for this earth in the meridian of time or the dispensation of the bright and morning star. For this last dispensation, we have Joseph Smith, who is an Elias, who, like John the Baptist, lays the foundation for the coming of the Messiah ben Joseph. See, Jesus Christ is the Messiah ben Judah. He's the King Messiah. Messiah ben Joseph is God the witness come in mortality. He is the Davidic servant that is spoken out by so many in uh, in the Isaiah Institute uh, people, by the remnant people. Um, he is the Messiah ben Joseph, God the witness come in the flesh. And there are three others that come to assist the Messiah ben Joseph in the work that he does. And we are in that time now. When in DNC section 85, when Jesus says, I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order. First, first, he doesn't say the one mighty and strong. Everybody gets that wrong. I used to think the same thing until God set me straight. When God in 2013, and I'm talking about Michael, who is a God, he came to me and he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And I knelt down before him. This was in January of 2013. And he took me up in the spirit and I saw these things and these things were explained to me personally. And I was shown why I was called and who I am and why I have seen the Father and the Son in the flesh face to face. Because I am one of they who are mighty and strong who was chosen to be the witness of the Father and the Son. That's why I know these things and understand them. And no, I don't understand all things. But my role is to be the witness, to teach the people, and to set in order the house of God, which can only be done with the authority that God gave me in 2003 when he personally physically laid his hands upon my head face to face in the person. You can do everything perfect and have no authority and the house of God is not set in order. And that brings me to the second point, which I don't know why I need to say it, but when Jesus said, I I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, that implies that in the days of Joseph Smith, the house was getting out of order, which it did, and it has. First, they were placed under condemnation in 1832 for treating the things of God lightly. And then there was a curse hoisted upon them for their sloth and inaction, which is talked about in Doctrine and Covenants section 124, where they did not finish the temple, The Father never came to restore the fullness of the priesthood, which only the Father can restore. And I've talked about this in the past as well, if you you know, to get into more detail on that. 
When Jesus said, build a temple whereby the Most High can come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. He was talking about the Father who is the Most High, the one who has to come to restore the fullness of the priesthood. In order to come into his presence, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood. You cannot come into his presence without having that priesthood. He personally, physically, must restore the fullness of the priesthood to individuals that he chooses. He sent Jesus Christ to instruct Joseph Smith to build a temple so that he personally could come and give them the fullness of the priesthood, which is more than just the Melchizedek priesthood. And these individuals who say that the priesthood of Melchizedek was taken off the earth, they only do so by their logic, not by revelation, because it is a an interpretation that they've come to, and they do not understand what the fullness of the priesthood is. I was given the fullness of the priesthood when the Father laid his hands upon my head, and there's no other way I could receive it. And in order for you to receive the fullness of the priesthood, there must be a tabernacle or a temple built that is acceptable unto the Most High that he might come and restore that which was lost unto you or that which he has taken away from the world, even the fullness of the priesthood. Even though I've been given the fullness of the priesthood, I cannot give it to you. That must happen by the hand of the Father himself. And in order for you to come into that temple that you must build, or that tabernacle in the wilderness, you must have the Melchizedek priesthood. And that priesthood is still upon the earth, although uh, Daniel chapter 12 talks about how there would be a man clothed in linen who would sever the power of all the holy people in the last days. That was fulfilled in um, July of 2013. The prophecy was fulfilled in, uh, actually it was July 15th of 2013. And the only person who has authority on the earth right now is myself only those who have received the Aaronic or the Melchizedek priesthood under my hands or those who I have sent those are the only ones who have priesthood upon the earth and that includes the matriarchal priesthood as well the priesthood of women yeah, there is a priesthood of women. Because it was severed from off the face of the earth and only one man held it and I was that man. And I am that man. It is part of the setting in order that there had to be a hard reset. And when I asked the father why in the world he wanted me to do this because I was like kind of a little bit stunned when he asked me to do this. I never even considered it. And I didn't even know about Daniel chapter 12 until like a month later. And my aunt showed it to me and she's all, you fulfilled scripture. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she showed me and I was like, oh my gosh. I said, father, why do you want me to sever the priesthood and the ordinances of all the holy people. He said, because if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. This has to be done, had to be done to set the house of God in order. And like I was talking to a man by the name of, of Lauren Bishop last week, I've known him for many years, many years. He, uh, I like talking to him, you know, but I saw him at the Maverick last week um, in Spanish Fork and he walked past me and looked at me weird and I was like, I didn't recognize him at first. And I was like, 
why is this guy looking at me all weird? And he walks past me, and, and I'll like, I was standing outside of the car waiting for my wife to come out of the bathroom because she had a bloody nose because she gets dry. I don't even know why. She gets bloody noses sometimes. Anyway, I walked in behind Lauren. I said, hey, are you Lauren? He says, yeah, and you're Mark. And I was like, what are you doing here? He's all, do you live in Spanish Fork? I said, no, we're just passing through. We live down in uh, Emory County, Utah, south of Price. And uh, he's all, we was talking, he, we were talking for a little bit, and he's all, I don't know why everybody can't just put aside all their differences and set the house of God in order. And I was like, because you can do everything perfect, but you can't set the house of God in order without authority. And he is yapping about authority, and he didn't get it. And I don't, like, for as long as I've known him for, I don't know if he really understands who I am. I think he just thinks I'm some interesting fundamentalist guy but he really doesn't understand and you know um i don't think he would accept it uh, people have too many ideas of how things should be and when somebody with authority like me comes along a true prophet they're all like well that's not the way we do things and the same thing happens with all of the prophets Jesus Christ himself included. Because they have an idea of how things should be. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and these high priests and whatever. And um, in Isaiah chapter 49, it talks about the Davidic servant. And one of the things that makes me really sad is the first people that the Davidic servant is sent to, they, they don't accept him. And he laments to God and he says, why have you sent me? Like, I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but basically he's like, they don't even listen to me. Why, why am I wasting my time? But finally, after all of his efforts, he is given another people. And I think that's the way it's going to have to be. You know, people steeped in their traditions and their, their whatever they will not accept the truth. They'll find it interesting, like Nicodemus did, or Nicodemus. <laughs> uh, they'll find it fascinating, like Joseph of Arimathea. But will they do anything about it? No. It'll, it'll be ignorant people like Peter, James, and John, or Jacob, that are the ones that actually listen that do the work of God with the witness who is the Davidic servant. Anyway, continuing on, we're at 79%. And from Brigham Young, our spirits are born of our parents in heaven, divine, heavenly, angelic. Shall these spirits condescend to love an earthly object to worship it? If they do, they become inferior to their calling and station before God. The body is framed for the tabernacle or house in which the spirit has to dwell. This tabernacle is formed expressly to hold its spirit and shield it. Here is matter we see organized in ourselves. We look upon each other, and we are ma matter organized. I, I, I'm trying to finish this quote. I, actually, I will finish this quote, then i got a couple things to say. Look upon the brute creation, the vegetable creation, and both, af and both are, matter, are matter organized. Anyway, that's Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 139 and 140. So in a Facebook group, I saw somebody yapping about oh, women in order to create however many births. I've estimated that a nine-month pregnancy of a spirit child uh, in order to create all of the, the spirits that go upon, go upon earth, a woman has to be pregnant for like, five billion years or some crap i don't even know it was it was a lot i maybe it was in the hundreds of billions I, it's just stupid and brigham young had this idea that we have 
parents in heaven, that they are born of, of parents the same way in which we are born on the earth, which is a load of dog vomit. It's horse dung. This is not how God creates spirits. He helps the intelligences. And I I wouldn't say just he. There are a group of individuals who assist the intelligences when they become self-aware and they teach them and instruct them and adopt them as their children. And this is how we become spiritual parents over spiritual beings. You have had many mothers and fathers in heaven, but none of them created you out of nothing and not one woman gestated you in her womb in the spirit world. That is not how that happens. That is a fallacy of Brigham Young and his ignorance on the subject because he did not get revelation on the subject. He had been taught by Joseph Smith, and that's how he obtained his knowledge, or he was taught by those who were taught by Joseph Smith, and that's how they obtained their knowledge. When God organized the spirits, he organized them into different groups. But we are not born of heavenly parents. Not the same way as Brigham Young thinks that we were. Anyway, continuing on. And you have to be a prophet or hear a prophet and get confirmation of the truth of that in order for you to know the truth. And if you accept the lies of Brigham Young, you receive false doctrine or certain lies and the principle is all they who believe a lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they did not love the truth there are a lot of people who hear the words of Brigham Young and say oh that sounds fascinating I believe it and that's it then they don't ever go to God and ask they never get revelation for themselves And they'll say, well, Brigham Young says, I really don't care what Brigham Young said because I got it from the father himself. And I trust the father over Brigham Young or Joseph Smith or anybody else. And I wish that you would do the same thing. Go to God. Continuing on, the creation of innumerable earths like this one is beyond the scope of man's compassion. a capability to understand, and I don't think it is, when you understand how the Earths are created and their cycles and rotations and their different developments and how the progression of Earths and God and all these things are. Arius is my four-year-old, and he is popping his lips, and I don't know if you can hear it or not, but Arius, he's actually on the couch, the arm of the couch that I'm sitting on, and he's laying on my shoulder. This, it's early in the morning, so I've actually been up since I think 2.30 this morning, and it's 7.52 now on uh, August 15th. Anyway, continuing on, <clears throat> yet the process of creating or organizing earths is an important part of being a god. As Moses recorded, and Enoch said unto the Lord, or unto Jehovah our Elohim, How is it that you canst weep, seeing thou art holy and from all eternity to all eternity? And were it possible that man could number the particles of the earth, yea, millions of earths like this, it would not not be a beginning to the number of thy creations, and thy curtains are stretched out still, and yet thou thou art there. And that's Moses chapter 7, verse 29 and 30. Joseph Fielding Smith went even further, quote, We are not the only people that the Lord has created. 
See, this is speculation by Joseph Fielding Smith. We have brothers and sisters on other Earths. And kind of, yeah, but, well, eh. Anyway, they look like us because they too are the children of God and were created in his image. For they are also his offspring. His great work is to create Earths and people them with his children who are called upon to pass through the mortal probation like unto this we are now in. Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 1, page 62. In conclusion, this earth first was created spiritually. Then it experienced a temporal or physical creation. And in the future, it will experience a composition of both when the earth will exist in an immortal condition. So the next chapter that we'll be talking, uh, reading about is uh, chapter 7, starting on page 58. And that chapter title is called Names, Titles, and Offices. And uh, it is a very good chapter. And uh, I'm... I'm going to have to record that one later, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Anyway, but um, thank you for listening to this program. Um, As always, I will post the link to the book, uh, to other books of uh, Restoration Theology, and the link to to the reading of this chapter in the description of the podcast so that you can go and check that out and read along with me or even read ahead. Excuse me. Or even read ahead. Um, And maybe you'll find some other books that you really like. But uh, I can only do one chapter at a time and sometimes have to split that up into pieces. So I'm pretty sure if you're so inclined, you can go and read a whole bunch of different books and the time it takes me to read one of these books on the podcast. So anyway, I really appreciate everyone who does listen and study with me. And um, I will just have to say that uh, I'm thankful to be able to do these programs and to have the time to do them. And thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless and goodbye. Santa Maria.